0: All right. Well, so last week we kind of finished up talking about uh, uh, baptism. We talked a lot about uh, baptism and what immersion of the Holy Spirit means, and we talked a lot about spiritual gifts. Um, I think I mentioned we would talk about uh, baptism as it relates to works, and it you know, doesn't mean to say baptism is a work. Uh, but we've been talking about baptism and salvation for three weeks. So I think what I'm going to do is really shift gears tonight. And uh, for a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about something different. And then at a later date, we'll just kind of address the doctrine of faith and works as a whole and kind of talk about what does that mean, what do people think about it, what do we believe about it, what do we think the Scripture says. But uh, we'll do that later. just felt like we've been talking about kind of very similar theological concepts for a few weeks, so we'll change it up this week. Um, tonight, uh, I wanted to talk about church discipline and uh, specifically the concept of disfellowship. Because this has come up in a lot of different stuff as we've talked about uh, you know sexual morality and homosexuality as we've talked about worship as we've talked about the church it, it's kind of come up a couple different times, so I wanted to just sort of take at least a, a week or so and look at the scriptures uh, that pertain to this fellowship and kind of ask what is what does this fellowship mean what does it look like and uh, we'll, we'll take the last couple of weeks there's been a lot of uh, theology and a lot of just I guess, more me dictating to you guys in a lot of it. And so this week we'll have a lot more discussion-focused, discussion-centered uh, questions, mainly because uh, this is a topic that even, uh, I mean, even of churches that might be in complete agreement on doctrine, you know, different congregations are going to handle this differently. Um, so so particularly when we talk about, you know, what do the Scriptures say on this, uh, I, I think this is one of those that we'll find that, you know, you can be, within here or here and still be within uh, the boundaries of Scripture. But I, I, wanna, I want us to look at them and kind of just look at what the Scriptures say. So I have Paul talks about it. I mean, the big one is going to be 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 13. So if you want to turn there, you can go ahead and turn there. Um, that's where we'll start. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Scriptures that we could kind of look at that talk about this. 1 Corinthians 5 is the big one. Um, I, I think this is the one that came up. ...that I think Steve brought up a few weeks ago that, that said purge the evil from within you. You know, Don't judge the world. You're to judge those within yourselves. Um, you know, If someone is a brother who calls himself this, this, or this, don't even eat with such a one. Um, that's the big one. That's probably the one that uh, people, we have the most questions about. But I grouped in that Second Corinthians because you've got the same author and the same audience. So I feel like these we can most easily tie together... Um, and then after those, I don't know if we'll get to them this week, but we'll look at uh, some excerpts from the Gospels and look at some of Jesus' teaching. Uh, because really what we're dealing with is on, on one end of the spectrum, we've got, you know, don't judge, don't pass judgment. You know, don't... Uh, one I have that we'll get to next week is Jesus' teaching on uh, uh, Matthew 18, uh, where he talks about... Um, Forgiving someone, you know, going to them, going to them by yourself, going to them with somebody, and going to them, uh, taking them to the church. And again, another familiar passage to us. And then, of course, uh, Matthew seven: Judge not, lest you be judged. So we've got these ideas of, you know, judgment, forgiveness, fellowship, disfellowship. And I think we got to kind of navigate the waters of somewhere uh, in the middle, if that makes sense. You know, you don't want to be uh, on one side. I think you can be. Uh, too tolerant, right? You can certainly be too tolerant. There's forgiveness and then there's tolerance. On the other side, there's sort of proper discernment or discipline, and then there's also uh, being overly judgmental or being passing judgment. So we'll try to navigate between those two concepts, if that makes sense. (coughs) So yeah, first one, 1 Corinthians 5. Uh, I'll read it in just a second, but what I I want us to do is look at, uh, and this is where the discussion comes in. We'll just throw out you know what are stuff we know? Like what are stuff we know is going on in terms of who he's talking to, what the audience is, what some of the context, just the background facts, or just the facts of the situation, if you will. And then we'll look at, what did this mean to the Corinthian church? How would they have understood what Paul was taking it? What would they have understood by the scripture? And then we'll try to answer what does this mean to us? Because I think sometimes we take the scriptures we read 1 Corinthians 5 and we go straight to here, which is not necessarily wrong but i think we'll find if we go straight to here we'll end up writing a lot here and here that we would have missed that makes sense i think you got to understand what he means what how the audience would have read it before you can just jump right in and say how does this you can't just jump right in and say how does this apply to us right here Um, so hopefully this will help us to keep a a good understanding of the scriptures we talk about this stuff it's pretty this is a controversial topic right like this is something like i said even within even within the very like, you, within all of Christianity, you've got the churches of Christ. And even within the churches of Christ, you've got, I think, churches that are kind of all over the place when it comes to the idea of disfellowship and, and what church looks like. So, having said all that, I'll go ahead and read for us 1 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 6. <clears throat> Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you are really unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And this is going I included this section before we get to the next, because he's, he's talking about the idea of leaven. If you've ever made bread or you've ever made sourdough, is a great modern example. You know, some leaven leavens the whole loaf. You know, when you put it together, it affects uh, the whole thing. So a little, I mean, a modern phraseology would be, you know, a bad apple ruins a whole bunch. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to include that in this before we get to this next section, that illustration. <clears throat> so verse 9, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. So... What is, what is something we know about 1 Corinthians? I mean, anything. Mind me a marker. You got what I do. I mean, do we know anything about who wrote the letter? Start there. Paul. Paul, right. What do we know about Paul? One
1: point in his life, he persecuted the Christians.
2: There
0: you go. So at one point, even though I was not always a Christian, he wasn't born used to be used to persecute the church there is zero chance anyone behind about Claude can read what I'm writing right now, but he used to persecute the church um, so what else, I mean, so he used to persecute the church, now he's obviously an apostle, right so we know he's, if, if nothing else we know Paul is a Christian, that's, that's, that's the big one, right, um What about the Corinthians, or who he's writing to?
1: Writing to
0: the church in Corinth. Church in Corinth, right. So he's writing to Christians. He's also writing to Christians. Um, And that that sounds like an odd distinction, but as we look at uh, later on, as we look at uh, some of the Gospels, when Jesus is teaching, that's why I wanted to kind of contrast this with Jesus' teaching. When Jesus is teaching, it's not just Christians. He's teaching to anyone who's standing in front of him. Um, so, when we talk about this stuff, I I think it's always important to understand who the audience is. Um, yeah, that's why why I ask, because, yeah, he's he's writing to Christians. He's writing exclusively to Christians. The letter probably did not get wide circulation among, uh, those outside the church. (coughs) So, something else, um... I think it's interesting, in terms of the surviving letters of Paul that we have, his letters to the Corinthians make up like content-wise. I guess you got Romans, but then First and Second Corinthians uh, compile more than pretty much the rest of them combined outside of Romans. So, I think, and this is we're venturing into guesswork, but that's okay. I mean, we're not establishing doctrine here exactly. Um, if Paul was writing a lot to them. They're probably not perfect, would be my guess. If we look at the length of the letter and the stuff he covers in the letter, um, they're not without their issues. They're having problems. Um, and in fact, if we look at 1 Corinthians
1: 1.11,
0: yeah, 1 Corinthians 1.11, he says, For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. And then he goes off... Uh, and That's kind of how he starts his letter. Um, at other points, he talks about just the beginning of chapter five. Just the beginning of chapter five in First Corinthians, he says it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated even among the pagans. For a man has his father's wife. Yeah, yeah. I think it, just roll that one around in your head for a second. <laughs> um, so I mean, when we when we look at why Paul is addressing these problems the way he's addressing them, it's probably good to understand that this is the level of stuff we're dealing with. Um, he's not like saying some of y'all want to have pews and some of y'all want to have chairs. Right? I don't know if you guys have ever been modern churches. I, I kid you not, I sat in a men's meeting one time where 30 minutes of the men's meeting where people decided whether it was better for the church in their new building to have pews or better for their church to have chairs. That all aligned up. Um, another reason I bring that up is because when we look in uh, this passage in particular, um, and we start talking about this fellowship, um, I, th- I think all of us can probably think of examples of reasons church have split over. Especially some of y'all who've been around the block a little bit. Church split over stuff that I mean that we look at now. And be like that makes that is not. How does that compare to uh, a man has his father's wife? I don't know a lot of churches that have split over something quite at that level. Um, so they got problems. That's. that's- Kind
2: of big thing. they got problems. Paul well, was talking about Christians here, and he said, Well, good grief, you know, y'all are doing stuff and lying things, and even the Gentiles. And I said, You're, you're chosen people. You hear the Gentiles don't even do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. In the, in, in the original language, there's almost this phrase where it says, It is actually reported. I think even the King, I think other translations say, uh, It is really, or it is it is even reported. In the original language there's this expression of like, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. Yeah. Like this is I this is actually stuff that's happening to you guys. Yeah, not even what the not even what the pagans would do. Um he says, and you're arrogant. So you're you're having problems, you don't know you're having problems, you're not willing to acknowledge your problems, probably prideful. I guess arrogant. i say what he said. Arrogant. Okay. I think one thing we need to.
1: new churches. I mean, the church is new at this time. So he's actually just laying the groundwork for the church. True. That's a great point.
0: I mean, if he says they're arrogant and some of them are doing this weird Marian thing, and just as a side note, uh, that is probably for financial gain. Like, that's something to do with the Roman inheritance law, and if they... Uh, if someone was married versus not married, the way the inheritance worked was differently, and so to like, get back in the family, if some kind of fracturing had happened, they would, you know, the, the, something along the lines of, if, you know, I've got my parents, if, you know, a husband and a wife, the wife passes away, the husband remarries, then the husband passes away, well, in order for the son to get the full inheritance, he would remarry the woman his dad had remarried to. Just I just want to keep that kind of insanity in mind when we're talking about this. I can
2: see why Paul stayed single. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why he said it's
0: better not to marry, right? Um, I can too. That's a story for another time. Um, but yeah, if he says, and you're arrogant, there's probably people who are doing that who are like, nothing wrong with this. This is fine, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, they, this is new. They don't have a lot of teaching.
1: Yeah, they, didn't, they didn't have nothing to go by.
0: Right. Um,
1: they were basically taking the Jewish and trying to add to it to make the belief we got now the Christian belief. Right. Because they didn't know this. I mean, right now, you know, you take somebody off the street out here who's never been in the church, and you pretty much tell them what, how we operate. Right. There ain't nobody to go to to look, there's no examples for these people. Yeah. No laws. There's nothing except the apostles that are giving them... Laying down what, how they're supposed to act and do, and you know, like starting a new business.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very new. A lot of new ground being broke. Well,
2: it's hard to teach people, even when they, they've been, you know, had the Bible. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. Hard to teach them. We feel like it's hard to teach people now. Imagine if we don't have anything to go by. It's yeah. like, do this? Why? Well, because some guy you've never met who's done a lot of cool stuff that I don't have time to tell you about right now said to do it this way. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. That's a good point. Yeah, it's hard enough to do it with the Bible. Imagine well, doing it mean, without it.
1: People probably didn't know who Paul was. And they say, hey, we got a letter from this guy named Paul. And he's telling us we're in the wrong. My question is, how did Paul know? Um,
0: so that's why I referenced verse verses. Um, between verse 11 of chapter 1 and something else, um, people who know a lot more than I do. Uh, would guess that First Corinthians was not actually the first letter he wrote to them, that in total he probably wrote four or five, then we got First Corinthians, then we got Second Corinthians. There's probably one in the middle, one after and one before, I think. And so that's why there's a lot of section in First Corinthians where he says, uh, well, just like what we read, when he says, uh, "I wrote to you in my letter." Well, we don't have reference to that one. Um, so he heard reports. I don't remember where exactly. This is one of those, I knew it, and I don't know it now, but I should know it. Uh, I don't remember exactly where where he was when this was being written, but he was on one of his missionary (laughs) journeys. I don't think he was in Rome, but he was traveling, and he had heard word from somebody.
1: Well, you know, it might have took a month to get News from 100 miles. Yes,
0: definitely. I don't know
1: how far Paul was away or how long it took for him to get word. So they done got used to what they're doing. Mm. Paul sends them a letter and says, hey, this is wrong.
0: True. That's a good point. Yeah, if you think about the just the communication. And maybe
1: anyone it. like they picked up their cell phone and said, hey, brother, so-and-so is messing up over here.
0: Yeah. Nowadays, if I'm in the wrong place on Saturday night, y'all would know by Sunday morning, especially in a town like Rogersville. Some of y'all that are from I was from a very small town outside of Dallas. My mom was a teacher. So I promise you, every little thing I did, I got an earful about by the time I got home. But
1: it's it, it, it says here that Corinth was approximately 40 miles away from Athens, where he was at. When okay. Was. So, you know, you take 40 miles walking that's in, Greece,
0: in the hot desert. Well, and what does that tell you? I mean, that tells you that what he was doing was pretty, like, he saw this as pretty important, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if he's sending some poor, poor guy to walk a letter back and forth 40 miles yeah. and that's an interesting point like, I mean like I said we all, most of us probably grew up in a small enough town where if you did something wrong or you were in the wrong place you heard about it by the time you got home but here yeah they, first off they had to do it long enough for someone to think I don't know about this word get out to Paul 40 miles away him decide what he's going to do and say about it him write it and then send it back to them and now yeah how long have they been doing this thinking it's thinking we're okay
1: you know, Yeah, we got a man over here grumbling, but- <laughs> right. Huh. And they're thinking we're doing okay. You know?
0: Yeah. Um. And that, that's, I think, is such a, such a critical point to think about because it's, it's really hard for us, I think, to put ourselves in the position of like, early church Christians because if you think about everything we know to be right and wrong, and I'm not talking even like, necessarily Scripture, I'm just talking like murder, adultery, thievery, envy. Like, if we go to the Ten Commandments that's so ingrained into our minds of like just right and wrong and in the system where, because the system we live in is so even if it's not now we don't agree with stuff now it's still so rooted in like Christian morality we can't even imagine what it would be like to not have any of that yeah. to not to not even live in a world where people necessarily have even the the slightest idea of right and wrong well like I said it would be like
1: somebody coming in here telling us Got a whole new book to go by. Yeah. Throw that Bible away, we got a new one to go by.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm sure they're questioning, you know, is this what they're telling us really true? Because this ain't what we believed all our Mm -hmm.
0: life. Yeah, most, most, I don't know particularly about Corinth, but I know a lot of the churches were predominantly Jewish. There were a lot of, I think, the Galatians, and there's one other one that was probably predominantly Gentile, but most of the ones he wrote to uh, were, were predominantly Jewish. Okay. That was a lot of facts. That's a pretty good start. I should have made my top box bigger. Okay. So, um, there's a lot of terminology in here. I mean, he you know, says one who would go by the name of the brother, talking about sexual immorality, um, judging. Judging. Don't judge outsiders. Um, so how do, now that we've kind of tried to put ourselves in the mind of Paul and or a Christian in Corinth, how, how do we think, not necessarily just what did it mean, but how do we think they would have taken this? I mean, you brought up, you brought up the, the example of had someone walked in here and said, all that is the old law now, i got a whole new law, and it's just totally radically different. How, how, what, is, what is a natural human response to that sort of thing? Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Whoa>.
0: <laughs> it's probably a lot of, uh, yeah, I don't imagine a lot of people jump very quickly on board, especially if, as, as I said, people try to piecemeal this together and they guess afterwards, but especially if this, this weird marriage practice was for financial gain. You know, Someone's going. Well, hold on now. Now you're telling me I can't have the thing that I it had to do with it was um, one way or another. it Had to do with inheritance. So talking. Wait a minute now. I'm, why is this thing that I'm doing to make my provide for myself now? You're telling me that's sinful or that's wrong? I don't, I don't know about that. Um, I would be interested to know how they original like if, if he had to clarify. Uh, you know, I wrote to you not to associate with these kind of people, not at all meaning this, it's probably fair to think that's how they originally took it. So I wonder if they were just like, well, we're not associating with anybody. We just, just lock the doors, invite the six people we know to be Christians to show up here, lock the doors, and don't, don't associate with anybody in the world. Um, it's like I had someone tell me one time, if you ever see a sign like a pool. They like were going to like a community pool and there's always signs that say, know this, no that. And it's like a foot long. And I always read, I'm like, well, why do they need a sign that says no jumping into this one foot kitty pool? And it's like, well, that sign's there because someone tried to jump into the one foot kitty pool. So for, every, for and I think a lot of that applies to uh, these commands because when we talk about, you know, being 40 miles away and how a lot of them probably didn't even know who Paul was, a lot of them are new if he's having to tell them, don't do this, I didn't mean this, I mean this, well, they're probably probably doing it wrong. Um, so anyway, we're talking about how it would make them feel, probably defensive, right, if nothing else. Like a little, little defensive, not, not exactly hopping on board right away. So what about this partic- possibly uh, problematic idea not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed? If someone's telling me not to do that, and we can assume that that's what they were doing. They were associating with people like that or they were uh, engaging with people of the world in some way or another. <coughs>
1: young man marrying
0: his
1: daddy's wife. Well. Mm-hmm. Possibly apparently one his mother.
0: Yeah. That's that's the reason they think it was like a stepmother new wife type scenario because it didn't say mom, it said his, his father's, father's
1: wife. And you know that verse you're reading about the judging, that mm-hmm. gets thrown up a lot. You're not the judge. Mm-hmm. No we're not the judge, but we've got we've got rules You know, we do, I guess, I hate to say inner good, but we need to talk to the
0: people, you know. Well, that's, I mean, that's, if, if you read it literally in the English, at least, you know, Matthew seven one five 1, 5 is, uh, Judge not lest you be judged, in King James, right? We've all know heard that. Well, Paul says, is it not those inside whom you are to judge? Yeah. Well, what do we do with that?
1: Well, you didn't have a church yet.
0: Exactly, that's actually that's one of that is a big big reason uh, why I kind of did it the way we did it here. Because um, you start looking at this stuff, and you start looking at well, who's he talking to? Um, you know, I'm not even diving into the the Greek for judge and or passing judgment or any of that, but they're meaning different things. It's yeah, it's a very very good point. There's not a there's not and, not only is he not speaking explicitly just to Christians, but the church had not even been established yet. Like when we talk about what we call the church, what we call the church began in Acts 2. Well, Jesus is way before Acts 2. Well, Matthew, he was talking about the apostles. Um, well, let's look at it next. Week talking about? Let's turn over to Matthew 7. Let me see. Matthew 7, I'm pretty sure, is the Sermon on the Mount. And there is actually a lot of scholarly debate or discussion on what exactly the audience of the Sermon on the Mount looked like. Because on one hand, um, he says a lot of, you have heard it said, or you know this, and I tell you this. Well, if he says, you know, you know, or you have heard it said, we can probably, that right there tells us there's at least some people who would know the law. Because that's what he's, what he's doing a ton in, in the Sermon on the Mount is he's quoting the law, and he's saying, here's what you thought it meant, here's what it actually meant, and this is why you're wrong. Um, so when we look at who the audience is in Matthew 7, um, probably at least some Jews, there's also, if we look at Jesus' ministry, there's a lot of folks who just wandered up. There's a lot of people who are just walking by, and it was like, you know, you go by the food land, if you're driving through Elgin, you go see some fire trucks and some ambulances and a couple cop cars at the food land, you might slow down and go, what's, what's going on over there? What's 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 the deal? Well, there's a lot of folks like that, just rubbernecking. <laughs> just walked up and was like, what's this guy doing? I don't know that guy. What are these people so riled up about? Uh, Matthew 7, I'll just read the uh, first few verses of Matthew 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? but do not notice the log that is in your own eye. For how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So interestingly enough, um, by the time the church has been established and Paul is writing to them, it's fair to assume that even if they, they would not have read Matthew, like they would not have the Gospel of Matthew, but very, very quickly on the heels of Jesus' ministry was condensed forms of almost like tracts or pamphlets, uh, like we'll see in some churches today, of boiled down reductions. They would have some lines of it, and it's some of those that these guys wrote that would later become the Gospels in some cases. But it's, it's fair to assume they did not have the Bible. But they knew at least some of what Jesus had already taught. So, if they know that, and Paul knows that, and Paul tells them repeatedly, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ, or uh, he he also has said, you know, you accept my words not as the words of man, but as the words of God or the words of Christ. He's not going to teach them something to intentionally contradict Christ's teaching, especially if they both know Christ's teaching. Does that make sense? Like Paul, we got, they had Jesus. Paul comes on the heels of Jesus and on the heels of Peter and on the heels of some other apostles. Paul knows the gospel of Christ. Paul knows the teachings of Christ. He tells them repeatedly that he, knows and, uh, that he knows the word of God. You can look all through some of Paul's letters and see like, oh, he's almost quoting word for word something Jesus already said. So he knows Jesus' teaching real well. Even if they're not practicing it exactly, the church knows it at least a little bit. Like I can be a Christian and still be sinning, or I can be a Christian and still be misunderstanding some aspect of the faith. So when we read these, a lot of times we can read them and be like, well, those contradict each other. They don't make any sense. I would really, I think you really ought to be careful with that. I mean, obviously, we can't just say Scripture contradicts itself. But I mean, even going with that mindset, because if you think about it, Paul takes great pains in every single one of his letters to say, um, because, like was pointed out, these people don't really know Paul. So, if you read the beginning of every letter, every letter, the first chapter, um, it's really easy to skim because it looks like a lot of them say the same things. But he's doing in every letter, he's lining up, you know, Paul, an apostle of Christ who's done this, who's done this, who was a witness to the gospel, who was a preacher of the gospel, who was a worker of Christ, a servant of God. He's kind of telling them, look, I know y'all don't know who I am, but this is who I am. Um, the words I'm saying have some weight. Why would he spend all this time aligning himself with the teachings of Christ and then throw something out there if he intending to contradict the teachings of Christ? So I think when we, when we read it on the surface, we can think, well, the, those don't make any sense. They're, 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 they contradict one another. I think you've got to look at it with the mindset of, no, he's building on the teachings of Christ. If, if your perspective, if your understanding of Scripture is that those two Scriptures contradict one another... Uh, don't reject the Scripture. Look back and probably reject your understanding. (laughs) Um, Go in there assuming and understanding that Paul is building on that teaching and then allow that viewpoint to kind of shape, okay, if I know Paul is building on this, what did he mean? Like just throw to the side the idea that it's contradicting one another because he knows Christ, they know Christ. He's not going to come in and... like. (laughs) If you take Algebra 2, first semester of Algebra 2, they don't just tell you, forget everything you learned in Algebra 1. <laughs> All of that was wrong. It's harder. Sometimes it's more confusing, but they don't, it, it doesn't just take a complete 180.
1: Um, well, you know, a lot of these churches probably weren't established by the apostles. It would, it would come through other people, you know, that it, that it touched these people may not even know who the apostles are, but they know as far as knowing them, each woman, they know who they are. Right. By the teachings of other people. Yes. So, you know, they're probably waiting on instruction from Paul and Peter and all the other apostles. You know, they're going around to these churches, they're probably waiting on their instruction on, you know, what are we doing right, what are we doing wrong. Right. And... That's what you got to look at. Is that, this is all new. They <laughs> so said it, time and that, you know, this is new. Isn't it? They don't have a clue.
0: Yeah, they're kind, they're kind of flying blind. The
1: blind. They've heard of the <clears throat> apostles. Mm-hmm. Some of them never seen them, Probably never seen an apostle.
0: Right. Or, and really, um, we have pretty strong evidence that Paul, not the church in Rome, but probably Corinth and very likely Ephesus started the church. But, I mean, I does not mean you know everybody. I preach here and people walk in here all the time that they said they've been coming here for like five years off and on. I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. Okay. <laughs> you know, so, and these are in region. most of these are in regions, uh, I, I think from what I understand, probably comparable to the size, the area of like North Alabama, like the whole region of North Alabama. So, if you think of a church like even, and that's here, now imagine a church like the size of Rogersville or a church like the size of some of the churches in Florence. You don't, you can go there, you can be going there for years and have no idea who built the church or who started the church.
1: Well, you know. If there was an apostle come in, he'd come in at the start. hmm. Right. Maybe he taught three or four families. Right. And then when he left, they built on that. hmm. So, you know, what I'm saying is they're taking the words of a man they probably never met, just heard about. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. So, if they don't know Paul, or maybe they kind of know Paul, but they don't necessarily have his whole writing like we do, they know Christ. They know Christ has already told them, uh, you know, pluck the speck out of your own eye, before pluck the speck out of your brother's eye. With that in mind, how can we understand what it means when he says to judge? You know, don't pass judgment on others. Don't be judgmental of others. Don't be a hypocrite, certainly, from Matthew 7. But if we have all that in our brains... How do we square that with, or what what can we then understand first Corinthians five to mean not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother? I guess I'll ask this question. Um, is it possible to disfellowship or not associate with someone uh, while not passing judgment on them? No. You say no, okay. Well,
1: you ain't done good for their wrong doing. Okay. I mean, you, the judging deal, I understand what they said in Matthew. Mm-hmm. But this is talking about the church right. running. And a lot of people don't understand the church runs as a business, you might say. I mean, you're running, and I'm not talking about them. <laughs> you know, we. We've got rules, and we've got governing policies, if you will. And, you know, if a man is in the wrong, and we know it, and we don't bring it before him, we're not in the right because it tells us to tell him, you know, and we're not to associate with him. And that's that's more or less a a punishment for his wrongdoing.
0: So you bring up a good question. And I, my hope is part of the 2 Corinthians will answer this. Um, but what is, so what is the purpose of this fellowship? I know it didn't really say it right there in First Corinthians 5. So if you just know from other scriptures or you just got an idea, what is the, what is the point? What's it supposed to – why would they do it? Why would he tell people, knowing what we know, understanding what we're trying to understand about the church, with everything being new, with there not being a, a Bible or really a written form of their doctrine yet – what would be the point, of something like that? Paul's telling
1: them this so that to keep the church pure, to keep the really out of the church. That's that's what I get about everything from six all the way down through thirteen.
2: You also, might make that feller realize situation he is in if he's not being told. Mm-hmm. You tell him, you know. But you know, repent. Well, yeah, we try to distance ourselves. Yeah, it's at least twofold. Yeah. <laughs> I was
0: I hope it didn't sound like I was looking for a specific answer. I'm just like, what is you know?
2: Yeah, I think we try to distance ourselves people, you know, that we don't feel they're doing just right, you know. Mm-hmm rather than saying something
0: to them. Okay, that's an interesting point. It's they, to
2: just get away from them and try to teach them something.
0: Yeah, okay. Now now we're starting to really get into or some... The right. It's easier to say, hey, don't come around here anymore, than tell them
2: well,
0: you got to fix it. <laughs>
2: it's just like these, lot of these upstate people, New York and places like here. they see crime committed, but yet they don't do nothing about it. They don't want to get involved. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think I see what you're saying. Like, Well, that's, yeah, like in a, bus- in a busy city, it's very common the bystander effect. They even got a name for it. Yeah. That's
2: true. Now, we've, we've been in that situation before. It? <laughs> it's a lot easier
1: to ignore it and let it go on mm-hmm. than it is to face
0: it. True.
1: Now, this church went from 100 plus people to 11 in two weeks over false teaching. And no discipline. We had a, we had a preacher... Because of false and,
0: teaching or because of a... Is the false teaching what made him go from 100 to 11 or is the false teaching what made him go to the 100 in the first place? Uh,
1: the false teaching brought us to 100. Uh, but the thing about it is we were probably at 60 when the false teaching came in. Yeah. And uh, then when it was brought before the and... The preacher admitted what he was doing. He showed us what he was doing. The sad part about it is when it was all said and done, we had some men that Claudette knows I someone I'm talking about that were grounded in the Bible. I thought was real leaders here in this church. Said, well, I really don't know. And walked off, Went somewhere else. But I think if if we'd have stayed on the route that that man was taking us this church probably wouldn't be here today.
0: So it sounds like, and I, you tell me, because now we're talking real world. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's a dilution of teaching.
1: Mm-hmm. We've
0: kind of muddied the waters on what we're teaching now. And you said initially that brought people in.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Well, just cut to chase, it was a divorce and remarriage. Oh,
0: okay.
1: He, the preacher went out and was telling people that were not spiritually devoted and remarried, to come on, you'll be accepted, no problems. And he, he built a church out of it. Hmm. And you can imagine, when it was brought to his attention, what happened. And when we fired him, guess what? They left.
0: So false teaching. Interesting. I'm going to... I'm going to try not to get us down the rabbit hole of the divorce marriage thing today because you know I'll chase some rabbits on you. But um, it sounds like there was a dilution of teaching and then when we tried to kind of pin ourselves down on it, well, then we split the church.
1: Well, he was going to Malachi. where Malachi, it says, to stop divorcing. God didn't like divorce. So his belief was that didn't matter how many times you was divorced and remarried. Stop divorcing right there,
0: and you mm. was okay. If you had had six wives, as long as you stopped at that sixth one, you was okay. Yeah, um, like I said, I'm gonna try really hard not to get too well, caught up on I'm that. But we'll, yeah, I'll I'll put we'll put a pen to that. I mean, we'll put if it's not already, we'll put divorce and remarriage in part of our our topics because I mean there is there is some nuance to that teaching. There's there's reasons people think this way. And there's reasons people think this way. Um, but it sounds like the...
2: A problem with them, uh, we had a situation where uh, Steve handled it mostly in this situation. This is a different one. But uh, you let people go on knowing they're in sin, and they'll tell you that they're in sin. Hmm. But they ain't going to change. Mm. And then, the next thing you know, they want to get in here, wait on the Lord's supper. You know, get up there in full pit and want to probably read the Bible, stuff like that. Things that they shouldn't even be doing. They should be back here learning. <laughs> you know, not up here taking the leading role. You don't let a person that's a sinner get up there and take the leading role.
0: Be careful saying that. that I'll be the last one to say I'm I'm not a.
2: Yeah, that's different. Yeah,
0: I see what you're saying.
2: You know what I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: someone living in sin, maybe or unrepentant sin, or but. So. so, Yeah, but so, but we kind of we're deviating a little bit. But there was something I wanted to kind of toss around a second still. God came in, there was false teaching, it muddied, the waters on, it muddied the waters on what the church practiced. And it grew, but ultimately, it was the downfall of the church. And I think if we think about that in the context of what we got, where we got the written word, and we've, give, we've at least got the written word that we can disagree on. If we've got nothing, if we're new, if a lot of us don't even know the guy who is our source of authority, how much more damage would muddy teaching do.
1: Well, here's the thing about it. This man didn't teach it from that whole field. He picked his certain people out and he went and talked
0: to them. Yeah, them. now you're recruiting people that you know He's don't on, are going to church even, anywhere.
1: Yeah. I'm talking about members of the church. Hmm. He picked his certain group and he went out and he talked to them. He had them believing that you went by what Malachi said. Hmm. And he wanted to do away with everything in the New Testament. Forward, divorce, and
0: well, and, and you can find in see the first or second Corinthians where Paul says you know it's, where Paul puts emphasis on staying married but there's reasons for that there's like I said there's a lot of nuance to that discussion um, well I hope I never live through another one of those situations well I mean what you're talking about is something that was of serious emotional distress it sounds like um and I think when we think about the context of the of 1 Corinthians 5, if we're talking about these guys, as we read, doing things that not even the pagans do, well, you know, we like... Because I guess here's the key difference I kind of want to pinpoint, and I'll kind of make the point before we start wrapping up. Um, if we practice something, like say we started... I'm just trying to think of something super outlandish. But if we started using like First Enoch, if you guys even know what First Enoch is, it's like some book of the Bible called the Apocrypha that like nobody besides, I don't think the Catholics used to use it, but now they don't. I think like Jehovah's Witnesses or something like that. But there are additional books of the Bible. If we, I'll give you a better one. If we started using any of the books that people who are the Latter-day Saints or the Mormons that they use, because they got new books of the Bible. If we started using those, If we started using those, but we kept the name on the sign, I don't think we would confuse anybody. Like, we would confuse ourselves, but no one's coming by and is going to look at us and go, oh, well, that's what the Church of Christ thinks. Because what the Church of Christ stands for and what it means, mostly, is pretty well established. Does that kind of make sense? If we start teaching false teaching, well, this movement's a lot older than any of us are. Maybe not, Claude, but I'm just kidding. Um, I can't help it I, You were just in the front row. I had to pick on somebody. I've never
1: been in a one where they say there's churches. Church of, Church of on the billboard just
0: got me in. Oh, yeah. You, can find, I mean, you, go into, you go into different places. There's a lot of them up north because of, the, because of the way the movement started. A lot of them up north still have to do that. But um, for the most part, in terms of believing in God, believing in Jesus, believing in the Holy Spirit, believing in the baptism of the resurrection, believing that Jesus was a real human and he was also fully God, The core tenets of Christianity, even if we completely abandoned those, we might confuse a few individuals in the pews, like y'all would be confused, rightly so, if I started teaching that, but we're not going to change what the meaning of the Church of Christ is to the world. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, that's not going to change anybody's perspectives. But if we go back to the world they were in, and you keep in mind, people don't even know what a Christian is yet, those are just radical Jews. Those are just Jews and some other stuff. <laughs> like, they're Jews that practice some other stuff that I don't even fully understand. Like, it would be almost 300 years before people who were not Jews and Christians actually started distinguishing, like, for, before the world started actually distinguishing between Jews and Christians. Um, so, when we're talking about the movement, that's very new. There's not a lot of people doing it. And now we start saying, yeah, if you marry your father's wife, that's Christian. Or, yeah, for you to be a drunkard and a swindle and a dollar, that's Christian. We're going to have some really serious roadblocks trying to get the church off the
2: ground. Listen, it's hard to take people when that believe Christ was raised from the dead and some believe that he wasn't crucified. Oh, y'all are
0: I'm we right, right now. <laughs>
2: yeah, so so that's the kind of stuff they were dealing with. If yeah. if you
0: do some a little bit more research in this kind of stuff, that's the kind of issues the early church was having. Was there was people who thought, well, Jesus wasn't really God, but uh, God adopted him as his son, but he wasn't really God. He was just a perfect human. And there's some people who were like, no, I don't think he was really a man. He was just an appearance of God, but he didn't actually, like, live and hunger and sleep and eat. He was just, like, an appearance of God like an angel. That's the kind of stuff they were dealing with when we talk about, like, different doctrines. And so there was a, there was a very serious emphasis on saying, hey, people don't even know what a Christian is. You can't let them think this other stuff is what Christians do. So anyway, that was the gist—at least the first thing I wanted us to get to tonight.
2: Catholic Bible, has got a lot of books in it that are New Testament, don't have.
0: Yes, and that's because I don't think they do. I don't think they recognize it as inspiration anymore. Yeah. But at one point they did. Yeah, the Apocrypha. Yeah, you get a, and you can buy a Bible like that. It'll say like the New Testament and Apocrypha. And additions to Daniel, additions to Esther, and something else, but it's basically stuff from the intertestamental period. Not good. Not good. What was, what was yeah. oh,
2: oh, it's the How the The building? that building? Yes, I
0: think. <laughs> You're just ready. Why? say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen more church with stars of like people who see they that they know about something but, than trying to say something that you know, didn't <laughs> don't yeah. say. He said we a spot. A spot. <laughs> I spot? Uh, I, mean, I think I've heard it in this song but a lot more than I read it in the Bible, but I'm not People ask a lot if they're like uh the biggest thing I gotta
1: remember is going to be better than right
2: here.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's the biggest thing I tell people. The Bible doesn't spend a whole lot of time talking about heaven as much as talking about how to get there.
2: If you get to heaven, mate, everything you see is gonna be amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's the one I see the most kind of flexed for elders. They say, well, it says a man of one wife right now? No, it doesn't say right now. <laughs> Y'all must have been talking about something good. I got done before we did. When you talking about a man his
1: wife passed away made three mm-hmm. Right. Some yeah.
0: Well, that's where you gotta understand people. That yeah, you can be scriptural and not meet the qualifications for this office. Like this is a special deal for a reason. It, it's not saying like you did not And yep, that's well. Good point. Good point. Is it elders or deacons that talk about how the the character of the wife though? As long as it says the wife has to do this, I kind of care. But anyway.